Good morning. Is that on? Good morning. Uh, thank you for worship. Thank you for that. Uh, those of you that don't know me, my name is Rick Sherman. Uh, welcome to Northfield Christian. We're glad you chose to worship with us today. Uh, thanks for those that are in the APR and for those listening online. Um, wherever you are physically, I hope God reaches us where we're at spiritually today. Uh, though, um, I did introduce myself. Don't need to do that again. This is our second uh, in the series, in our Advent series. Last week, Don Stuber started us off with preparation. Um, title of today's message is in. I believe Doug is up here next week for incarnation, and then Don Blair will conclude us on Christmas Day um, with. I'm sorry, next week is joy, and Don Blair will conclude on Christmas Day with um, incarnation. Uh, anticipation. All right, let's go. So, anticipation. This is our title for today. In 2020, I gave up anticipation. Or at least I gave up anticipating anything good was going to happen. Uh, boy, it's been a rough year. Uh, and I've learned this much. Don't apply logic to COVID. Uh, it doesn't matter where you stand on, on how cautious you want to be, how not cautious you want to be. But if I, I'm, I'm a news guy, and if you just look around, there, there's an application of COVID. I've just learned that you just cannot apply logic to it. But 2020, it's, it's been tough, right? It's been tough on all of us in, in different ways as we negotiate unfortunately, our new reality. And, you know, there's a vaccine, so maybe there is some positive anticipation on the horizon. Um, Thanksgiving, you know, like I said, 2020 was a little tough, so I'm pretty close with a few of my siblings, and I sent out a text, something along the lines of, you know, happy Thanksgiving. Even in 2020, we can find something to be thankful for. And my jerk older brother, Jed, slapped me back. He's always right. And he's, he, he nicely texted me back, and then we had a phone call. He said, Rick, in 2020, as believers, we have all the more reason to be thankful. He's like, the world has nothing to look forward to. The world is looking for solutions for men. The world is looking for solutions. He goes, in 2020, we have all the more reason as Christians to be more thankful than ever. Christmas decorations. Anybody knows those went up early this year? Like way early. In our house, and I'm not saying we do it right, we put them up day after Thanksgiving. Um, I've been doing some pickup delivery driver work um, at work. I saw Christmas trees up in houses in the front windows like mid-early November. Um, I'm reading stories. Christmas trees are sold out at various places and uh, artificial Christmas trees sold out. Why is that? Because we want to anticipate something good. For most of us, Christmas is good. It brings back good childhood memories for most of us. It is anticipation. In 2020, we're just dying as humans to reach out to anticipate something good. And so Christmas decorations went up early. We want to anticipate something good. Uh, Matt alluded to it. Um, anticipation has been flowing quite a bit through our house this week, through the Baker house as well. Um, those of you that don't know, Tressa, my daughter, and Adele, uh, the Baker's daughter, have been in Mexico since August. Uh, where else would you send your daughter but to Tijuana, the murder capital of the world? <laughs> and so they came home Friday, and actually Thursday night, I said, this is Tressa's Eve. That's what I named it at our house. Um, and anticipation has been wonderful. But a lot of times in life, anticipation disappoints, doesn't it? You know, we have this conjured up memory of something, and, and you know, the event, it either goes by too fast, and you're just like, man, it's over already. I've been looking forward to that so long. Or you remember something maybe more fondly as a child and you didn't see it through the adult eyes of life's not perfect on this earth. Anticipation. So far with Tress, anticipation has not disappointed. It's been great. But anticipation. 
So I want to look at, um, let's just pause for a moment and calm down myself who I'm speaking too fast. And let's just pause for a moment and go to the Lord in a word of prayer. truly worthy of glory and honor and praise. And we, we are humbled to be here this morning to worship you, to hear from your word, and we are so thankful that we are your children through the shed blood of Jesus. So I pray that you'd bless this time together, help get calm Rick's nerves, and help him to give us your word this morning. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. So I want to look at anticipation. Anticipation, we know the word, right? Here's dictionary definition, and that's how you pronounce it phonetically, if you will. Uh, it's a noun, action of anticipating something, expectation or prediction. Her eyes sparkled with anticipation. Again, it's a word, probably doesn't need definition, but I like to put it up. I want to look at today through three things. Anticipation of Christ's birth, anticipation of Christ's crowning, and anticipation of Christ's deliverance. And that's by design, because I'm dumb. A, B, C, D. Anticipation of Christ's birth. 351 Old Testament prophecies about Christ, depending on how you want to look at it. First one, Genesis chapter 3. Do you know Christ was prophesied? Genesis chapter 3. For all intents and purposes, from the beginning. After the fall, God makes this promise that um, Jesus will crush Satan's head and that Satan will strike his heel. So prophecies of Christ go basically beginning. This was not an afterthought. Uh, next one, um, not the next one I believe is um, Christ prophesied through Abraham, through the seeds, um, through the sand and the stars. More specifically, Genesis forty nine ten, we are told that Christ will come through the, through the tribe of Judah. More specifically, yet Isaiah seven fourteen, the virgin will conceive. Jeremiah 23, 5, a king is coming. And Micah 5, 2 tells us where the king will come. The king will be born in Bethlehem. Christ's birth in earthly reality, and I don't want to say vulgar, but I just want to put it from my perspective in human terms. You know, I think, is it possible for me to say that we have glamorized or Hollywoodized or, or somehow made this birth a little more romantic than it was and we think back as humans, right? Well, that was the old days, and they didn't have doctors, and they didn't have NICUs, and they didn't have OBGYNs, and they didn't have all the technology and everything that we have today. And I concur, they didn't. And sometimes we think, well, maybe this birth, that's kind of how things were back then. Well, they were different. And the Bible just very matter-of-factly, you think it's in there four or five times, but just very matter-of-factly, Luke just tucks in, Luke 2.7, there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus born. We know that, right? He was born in a stable. I have an acute sense of smell. It's not always a blessing. The night's lodging was in a barn that had to have smelled of animal feces. This is where Jesus was born. And he was put in a manger, right? And if you have a manger scene in front of your house, I'm not knocking you. But we have these nice little mangers filled with straw, and they're beautiful, and Mary and Joseph are there worshiping. Jesus was put in a manger, a food trough, a box or trough in a stable or barn from which horses or cattle ate, full of animals, food residue. This, this is where Jesus Christ was put. The king of the world. 
Jesus' birth, humanly speaking, a huge disappointment. Not for Anna and Simeon. Let's pull up this scripture. It's in Luke 2, 25 through 38. It is page 857 in your pew Bible. Luke 2, 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was right out. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to this and for your glory to, and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling of and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phenel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Anna and Simeon, they saw salvation. Salvation was born in their hearts. Anticipation of Christ's birth. Anticipation, second point if you're a note taker, C for crowning. Anticipation of Christ's crowning. More Old Testament prophecies. Psalm 132, 11. Jesus would reign on David's throne. Isaiah 2, 4. He will judge the nations. Isaiah 9, 7, of Jesus' government, there will be no end. Isaiah eleven ten, the nations will rally. Isaiah 42, 1, Jesus will bring justice to the nations. Isaiah 55, 4, Jesus will be a ruler and a commander. Haggai 2, 1, he will fill God's house with his glory. And Zechariah 9.9, rejoice, your king. Crowning an earthly reality, let's turn to Matthew 27, 
27 through 31. It's page 834 in your pew Bible. Matthew 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Jesus was crowned on this earth. The king that was coming, betrayed by one of his best friends, abandoned by all of his friends, King of the Jews, they called him. He was in custody. He was mocked. He was spat on. He was beaten. And he was flogged. This was his crowning on earth. Again, humanly speaking, a terrible disappointment. I'm not sure any human realized at the moment what was happening. As a lamb stood before his shears, he stood silent. Isaiah 53, 7. Third point, anticipation of deliverance. So, so far, this is a pretty depressing sermon, right? This is supposed to be a good Christmas sermon. We have to paint accurately the past to understand the majesty of the future. We have to understand the past to understand and appreciate the majesty of the future. Point three, Jesus' deliverance. Anticipation of his deliverance. Psalm 2-2, he was a king of the nations. Psalm 68-18, clear deliverance. He will bring deliverance. Isaiah 25-8, he will swallow death. Isaiah 49-6, he will bring salvation for the nations. Isaiah 61.1, he will set the prisoners free. Isaiah 62.11, he will bring his reward with him. Isaiah 63.1, he is mighty to save. When I read that verse, I think of the song. Zechariah 9.9, again, rejoice, your king. Jesus' deliverance on this earth. The lame were healed, the dead rose to life, and the prisoners were set free. Born out in Mark, Matthew 11, Luke 7. Happened on this earth. But there's other parts of Jesus' deliverance we skipped. Psalm 69, 21 says they gave him vinegar to drink. Isaiah 53, 2. I want to read that passage. Just listen to this passage for a moment. This is Isaiah. You'll recognize the passage. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. 
like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was brought upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. In Isaiah 59, 16, a glossed over uh, about Christ, it said that there was none found worthy. And so Christ, through his own righteousness, redeemed us. We just didn't see it at the time. Deliverance came, folks. Deliverance came via the cross. The instrument of our deliverance was death on a cross. As the earth stood in darkness at three in the afternoon, the earth was dark. Jesus cried out, It's finished. What was finished? His work on earth was finished. Jesus gave up his life. Jesus was not on the cross as long as most people are on the cross. He cried and he willingly gave up his life. His work had concluded. And you read in Matthew and Mark and in Luke that those that were witnessing there, even the non-Christians, the centurion, said, surely, surely this man was the son of God. Folks, deliverance, this is good. The stone could not hold him back. Death could not hold him. He crushed Satan's head. Do you remember Genesis 3.15? Jesus crushed Satan's head. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He always was. With us, Isaiah 7.14, Emmanuel, God with us, fulfilled in John 1.14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus came to give life and give life what? More abundantly. And Jesus is the King of Kings. Revelation 17, 14. Anticipation. Folks, Christ was born on earth. And Christ can be born in your heart. Anticipation. Christ was crowned on earth. Always crowned in heaven. And he gave that crown up to be born in a barn. And Christ delivers now. So, did you ever have those moments where... Hold on one second. Usually I share up here about my weaknesses. I do that for two reasons. I have a much more, much larger catalog of my weaknesses than I do of my strengths and my failures. And truthfully, I learn more from my weaknesses and my shortcomings than I do from my um, rare victories. Um, so a few weeks ago, I've had a number of, of recent, really short moments with God recently. I don't know why that is, but I've had them. Um, and I had one a hmm, month, six weeks ago, something like that. Um, I'm the youngest of seven, so I've got lots of siblings. And, uh, and God said, Rick, text your sister, see how she's doing. That's no big deal. I text my sister all the time, but it was one of those, I'll do it next time I'm, you know, next time I got my phone in my hand, next time... I have it. I don't carry my cell phone, truthfully. It's a leash, and I don't 
really like it. But it was, it was God's just like, no, text her now. So I went and grabbed my phone off my desk and I texted her and put my phone down and I don't even know if I had time to turn around. And she's like, you got a minute to talk? Number. You know when you know someone's voice? And I don't know if she said hello or hi, Rick, but I knew something was terribly wrong in a word. And she had just received some devastating news in her family and she said, I was, I was lost. I didn't I was just kind of hopelessly lost at the moment. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to call. And you texted me. Now, this isn't about me. I was in, I run a lawnmower shop. I was in our back room, sitting on a ream of paper. Our room is cold and dark, full of chainsaws and weed trimmers. Moment, folks, I was in heaven. And I was in heaven. <laughs> Because for a second, God showed me, I love you. The sovereign Lord of the universe said, I love you, Rick. I love you so much. I died for you, and I'm interested in the most intimate details of your life. God loves you, and he sent his son for you. And enjoy those sweet moments. You've all had them. Sometimes it's during worship. Sometimes it's here. Sometimes it's there. Those are glimpses of heaven. Because at that moment, I had perfect communion with God. And nothing else mattered in heaven. Because heaven's not about your hobby. And heaven is not just about seeing loved ones that have gone before. Heaven is about perfect communion with God. No sin, no shame, no guilt. And we can be there forever, praising him for the work that he did that he sent that perfect sacrifice of his righteousness, nothing we did, and we will be there forever. Jesus Christ delivers on this earth. And Jesus Christ delivers forever. Forever. Close with a song. You understand that Jesus Christ, we talked about anticipation sometimes disappointing. Jesus will not disappoint. Look at what Jesus said. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come back and take you there. And Jesus said, John 16, 33, I have overcome the world. He didn't say life would be rosy, but he said, rest, I have overcome the world. And the second last verse of the Bible Revelation 2.20, Jesus says, I am coming soon. And John writes, come, Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ will deliver forever. Anticipate that. Anticipate that when you wake up in the morning and anticipate it long term. He will not disappoint.